We know that you've missed us, but don't worry, we're back. Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Yes, indeed, we are back. What a summer it has been. Plenty of footy on the telly. The world's longest heat wave I think I've ever experienced. But we are indeed back and let's welcome in the boys for the start of a new season. Let's start with Steve. Steve, how are you, buddy? It is good to be back. What's it been? A couple of months since we had a podcast. It's that the the dead part of the off season where nothing really much happens, uh, and lots of people talk about whatever there is to talk about. Which at the moment is whether or not a certain quarterback is going to get traded. So, um, yeah, doing well. And in our now weekly again update, somehow Zach Ertz is still an eagle. And we report to training camp tomorrow. So I will be wearing my jersey for as long as he is still an eagle. Good man, you get your value for money out of that jersey, my friend. You exactly. you do that. Every day that goes by, mate, he's more than likely going to stay an eagle as well, but we'll talk about that as we get in towards training camps, any sort of veterans that might be on the bubble and that kind of thing. Let's welcome in the third man in the huddle and the third regular for this season. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Sean. Yourself? Tremendous, mate. Absolutely fantastic. Like Steve said, good to be back, mate. We have been very busy, though, haven't we, buddy? Me and you in particular. I'm going I'm to say that, mate. We're on air. I'm going to say that. Me and you in particular. Particularly you. I'll tell you what, I'll even be generous. <laughs> particularly you, mate. So no, let everybody no, know. It's a what... joint effort. It is a joint effort, but mainly from you. So you tell us what you've been up to, buddy. So this year we have gone, we have put out all the stops to provide a fantastic 2021 season guide. It's got pretty much everything that you want in there. You know, it's got roster updates and also full in-depth reviews as well. Previews for the season, rookie spotlights, a proper betting breakdown, views from the fans, everything in this lovely colour book which you can get either as a digital download or soon to be as well on print as well it's quite a piece of work and you know we've put two months this is why we've been quiet you know as uh, as you said in your uh, little announcement yesterday we've been quiet for two months because of just how much work we've put into this beauty behind the scenes so yeah while we've not been able to talk about any recent NFL news, it's been good because I've not had to update much going into the book after it's been written three weeks prior. And then, of course, two major updates today. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm racing to type stuff in as quick as I can. So, uh, yeah, I'd like training camp to be next week if possible. But, uh, you know, we are where we are. We are indeed, mate. We did have a little panic last week when Cam Akers decided to tear his ACL. Oh, yeah. How dare he? How dare he? We'd already written that LA Rams section and had to rewrite it but yeah as josh said pre-orders available now full10yards.com forward slash shop uh we're hoping that the guide should be all good to go in terms of getting downloaded to you next week we're fairly confident on that like so just want to make sure it's as accurate and up to date as it can be for that date and keep everything peeled in terms of the digi- uh, the physical copy sorry we're working on that and hopefully we'll have some news on that shortly one of the sections that you said there, Josh, that we've got in the guide is a little bit of a spotlight on rookies. We've picked out some rookies that people will probably want to keep some close attention to as the new season rolls around. But I've got a question for you both, boys, from a slightly different angle. Not necessarily which rookie will perform the best. Obviously, some rookies are going to go into a fairly decent situation and probably get an opportunity to thrive straight away. question I want to ask is probably more of a case of which rookie really needs to step up and needs to be the player that this franchise has drafted to, to essentially change the fortunes? I speak here as a Browns fan who's all too familiar with high draft picks. And let's face it, the the franchise really turned around in the 2018 NFL draft, didn't it? You know, two 
high first round picks, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, things never have quite been the same since and obviously an on an upward trajectory. Um, so it can be done in terms of finding those cornerstones in the draft. So Steve, let's pose that to yourself first and foremost. Which rookie do you think really needs to be the one that steps up and, and sort of you know carries the load for their team? I think I would start the bidding with a real boring answer. It is boring, but it's true. And I would say probably Zach Wilson for the Jets. Um, the Jets have cycled through so many quarterbacks over the last few years. Um, obviously, the uh, Sam Darnold experiment didn't work. And now he's out the door and in Carolina. Um, uh, they brought in... Um, the new GM who's been rebuilding that roster for the last few years since he was in Philly. Um, and they've, you know, they've, they've finally got supposedly their guy in, in, in Zach Wilson. There was a lot of talk on draft night as to whether or not it might be Justin Fields, but they went with Wilson. Um, and, and surely, you know, that he's got to start, you know, producing pretty quick. That Jets team has been, I think over the last four years, only, only the uh, Giants have an equal record. I think they, they, they both have the, the worst records over the last four combined seasons in the NFL. So that franchise has really got to start turning around. And if he's going to be, you know, live up to that number two pick, then surely he's got to put it on his shoulders and, 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 you know, and, and, and take that franchise forward and, and be the player that a number two pick should be, you know? Yes. With a, with a, a, a rookie quarterback, especially a quarterback, you always get a bit of leeway in the first year and, you know, we're not expecting him to go 17 and all in this first season, but he needs to show that that franchise needs to show signs of improvement because they are the type of franchise that if he doesn't, he'll be out the door and they'll move on and they'll go for They'll roll the dice again. And it's about time that they had someone that could be the franchise guy for the next 10, 12, 15 years. So, I'd I'd say Zach Wilson. That would be that would be my first shout. So with well, that in you... mind, what what would you say constitutes a good season? Then you said they need to show progress. What what sort of you know whether it be a record? You know, I mean records records sometimes can be deceptive, but obviously it's ultimately a results driven business, isn't it? So you know what what kind of what kind of end of season record do you think sort of represents a good season then for Zach Wilson? It's difficult, isn't it? Because you know you you could say like if he wins five or six games that's that's good that's progressive especially if he plays well himself um but you know a team isn't just the quarterback and if they the, the jets have still got to keep building around him and adding offensive weapons and you know they still you wouldn't say that they've got any sort of real standout stars in terms of uh, skill positions no one that really you'd put in the sort of top 10 categories across the league so perhaps the jets are, still have another year where they're you know you know, we're in a 17 game season this year. So maybe they go four and 13 or, or five and 12, something like that. But he needs to show progress and the team needs to show progress. So they're not just that number one, number two, number three pick again. Cause if they're there back there again, some next year, something's gone wrong again, you know, like Jacksonville did for many years, they were floating around that sort of number one to number five pick for several years. Um, you know, I think you'd look at his record rather than the team's record. And, and, you know, if they can continue to, to put pieces around him, if he does play well this year, then next year, I think that's when, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks that were drafted last year that you've now, you're now thinking, well, come on, now you've got to step up. We've put some pieces around you this draft. Now you've got to step up. Step up. And I think that'll be the same with Wilson next year. Yeah. And just to add on to that, um, talking about the fact of not wanting to continually churn out QBs and also talking about, to your point as well, Sean, about 2018 being the sort of draft where uh, Cleveland turned it around. The Jets are in a very precarious position to become the next Browns. If you look at that 2018 um, Thursday night football game, the one where Cleveland broke their duck and actually got the win against the Jets in Baker's first start, that's kind of where you saw one go in one direction and one go in the other, really. And it's not really stopped since... I think that if Zach Wilson doesn't, you know, isn't the answer here, you know, is there an answer next year? Is there an answer year after? You know, you're rolling the dice. And as Cleveland and a few other franchises know, Jacksonville included and a few others as well, you know, and, and also there's going to be a huge need for, for QBs next season as well. There's quite a few franchises knocking on the door looking for a QB. That's why you saw quite a lot of round two picks for QBs in in this year's draft. You know, 
we could be talking if he's not the solution there's not a solution for five odd years you know the jets will be in brown's territory you know nine noughties brown's territory for a decade maybe so yeah it is vital it might be a boring answer but in fact it could be even more devastating than that yeah no absolutely like you say when the quarterback gets taken high the expectations are always sky high i mean obviously like you say it's a difficult situation there i certainly think you know robert seller has got the pedigree to potentially be an excellent head coach obviously we'll wait and see you know there's been plenty of good assistants that haven't necessarily made that step up but you know you would certainly think that if anyone can he probably could but obviously his expertise has been on the defensive side of the ball we'll wait and see how that uh, translates over um you've agreed pretty much there then with what steve said josh so give us a, a different uh, slant and give us a different selection are you going to throw into the mix Right, I've got two, and I will go with the QB again. This other QB and a non-QB, but the QB Justin Fields. Um, simply, be, well, two main reasons. One, the Bears are sneaky good. You know, they are a playoff team in need of a QB. Really, if Justin Fields is the answer for them there and can elevate himself to solid NFL starter status. You know they are they, they they are in with that you know maybe a wild card spot. So, you know, from a from a franchise perspective, you know him him having a good start and having a good first season could be make or break in terms of a posting because their team is now of that sort of caliber. You know that obviously they were in it last year, but it was kind of almost a fake in terms of just how little they seemed to produce in that in that playoff game. I think the only good thing was the fact did did Mitch Trubisky get um, get the Nickelodeon valuable player or something like that in that game? That was pretty much the only positive for them in an otherwise shambolic postseason. So uh, yeah. I think that if Justin Fields is the guy, then you know the Bears could be knocking on the door of a few teams in the NFC. But then the second point as to why he, you know, as you've put it, why do they need to have an impactful first year? It's just how much they gave up for him to move up to that slot. I mean, I've I've got it down here. I'm going to say it was picked at eleven, and they gave up their first rounder and fifth rounder in twenty one. And their first rounder and fourth rounder in 22. You know, it's not the biggest haul in the world, but when you're a team that is said to be, you know, in need of a guy and in need of a change in the atmosphere, that's a big haul to give. That's a big chunk of your future. So I think for those two reasons mainly, you know, Fields is going to have to show why, why the Bears paid so much for him. How long until he starts? Week one? Is it Dalton's the two, isn't he? Well, Dalton's the other guy. <laughs> and Nick Foles. Dalton would like to think he was the one. He was brought in as the one. He was promised the one. Whether he will be the one, I've, that's the question. If you're a Chicago fan, do you do you want to see Dalton take the field? At all? Oh no, uh, not if if you, if I was a Chicago fan, no. But obviously, like I say, what we we've seen this before, haven't we? You know where teams would sort of give the veteran the first go, steady pair of hands. You know, Dalton, for all his doubters, has played reasonable football. He's got teams to the playoffs. Yes, I know that the argument is he's never gotten anywhere once he's got there, and I absolutely accept that. But like I say, that that is the only sort of sticking point, isn't it, in terms of Justin Fields? How quickly does he actually see the field? Yeah, that's a good point. I think that something that detracts from Dalton, though, is that, you know, he was given the keys to a good team in Dallas. You know, and it's not like he didn't know the playbook or anything like that. And let's face it, he bombed out. For a guy that was touted as the average scale in the NFL for many a year, the guy that would get you to the postseason and then just sort of stay there, you know, He's not that guy. So I think that if you're the Chicago front office, especially, you're not putting in a guy that is worse or the same level as the guy that you've just let go. You know, Dalton for Trubisky is almost one in the same in terms of level, whereas Fields at least is potential. Yeah. So I feel like you could probably put him out there. 
so uh, tell you what, if he's not week one, he'll be there week four. Steve, yeah, did you bit, want to say something? The, the Bears, the Bears were very quick, weren't they, to say that Dalton's our number one guy, and then when they drafted. Uh, um, fields, they, they, I think in media, media interviews and such with the team, they still said, yeah, Dalton's still our number one guy, and I think teams say that because they, they're not going to admit it. That they, I, they imagine they probably didn't think that Fields would be there, and that's yeah. why they probably signed Dalton. I don't think they thought Fields was there. I don't think they thought they would be able to trade up to get him, and obviously that's changed all of Chicago's outlook. Um, I think, do you see? Do they see what happens with Dalton through? training camp over the next couple of weeks and then eventually, you know, just slowly roll it back and say, oh yeah, Fields has come in and he's had a really good camp so we can't not start him. You know, oh, oh. You know, I, maybe that's what they do. But I, yeah, if you're if you're a Chicago fan, surely you've got to be seeing Fields start. What what benefit does starting Andy Dalton give you? I, I don't that, really that's know. my point. Where, yeah. Where's the impact? Where Where is the yeah. win over replacement? And their first game, Chicago, is away at Los Angeles Rams. So... That is uh, that is one of the hardest defenses you're going to play all season. Oh, tell you what, tell you what, he starts week two. We'll have yeah. Andy Dalton. We'll have Andy Dalton get the uh, get the career-ending injury from Aaron Aaron Donald, and then he'll start week two out of necessity. <laughs> week two, so, they host Cincinnati, so that could be Dalton's bring it. There you go, <laughs> Dalton. Well, I'm gonna... on from the sidelines. <laughs> I'm going to go completely left field here then, fellas. You both mentioned quarterbacks. I'm going to throw two players in there, both for different reasons, both from the same team. I'm going with Eric Stokes, cornerback, selected 29th in the first round. And I'm going with um, Mari Rogers, wide receiver, chosen in the third round. Both chosen, Green Bay Packers. Why do they both need to perform? Well, Eric Stokes needs to perform to basically prove to Aaron Rodgers that he was the right choice at the end of the first round instead of some offensive help. But obviously, Amari Rodgers needs to perform as a third-round receiver to prove to Aaron Rodgers that you don't necessarily need to be drafted in the first round. It's a franchise that, let's face it, seems to be in self-destruct mode for a team that has won its division over the last couple of seasons. Let's not forget has been you know, deep in postseason activity for the last couple of seasons. The amount of drama that has come from a franchise with such a good record in recent times is quite unbelievable, really. Um, the Aaron Rodgers talk still has no definitive answer. I think we've had reports today from, was it Rappaport, that he's sort of indicating that he's going to play? Surprise, mm. surprise. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens there. We've obviously had the Devontae Adams situation where he has apparently now sort of stalled on a new contract. They both posted a bizarre picture of Jordan and Scotty Pippen. If anyone can work that out, please get in touch for all 10 yards. Oh, you don't um, need that. You don't need that. That's just the last dance. You know, have Oh, have you have you worked it out? Have you? I think I think everybody has. I think you're probably the only person upon the uh, NFL speaking world that hasn't. That's why I'm do, the host, mate. I need do, you do, guys to keep me together. Do, do you need to explain it? <laughs> no, I think I've got it. Now you've said it. Now you've said it. I actually feel quite silly, but you know that's uh, that again. I'll let that one slide. But yeah. So <laughs> coming back to my point, two very different players, two very different positions. Expectations probably not that great in terms of Amari Rogers. Let's face it, you're not going to expect miracles from a third round selection. Um, but obviously, you know, all joking aside, I think we've all probably been in agreement. We don't necessarily agree with the way he's gone about it, but I think it's fair to say that Aaron Rodgers over his career hasn't necessarily had the offensive skill players brought in with the pedigree that he would have potentially liked. Um, however, like I say, you know, Let's keep it in perspective. It's not like he's playing with an absolute uh, bag of spanners, is he? You know, he's still got a fairly decent roster there, hasn't he? Yeah. Can I throw a question to you on your selections there? So I get it from the whole Rogers having a hissy fit perspective. But do the players need to perform and show their worth? Or does the team simply need to play to the same standard to prove to, for the front office to prove to Rodgers, what are you talking about? Because let's face it, if you've got a star-studded, you know, Hall of Fame walking into QB, you don't need the star-studded wide receiver talent. Not many teams have a Hall of Fame QB with, you know, 
fully fledged wide receiving core talent because you can't pay everyone. And I think that Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay, first of all, know that Aaron Rodgers is constantly threatening to walk out with retirement and all the rest of it. And they've got a plan for it, which is why last year happened. And this year, they, they probably thought, well, you know, what's he going to do? Is he seriously not going to play and turn down this check? It's OK, because we've got our guy anyway. So I think the front office has actually played a blinder in Green Bay. And the fact that he's coming back for one more season, that's just... Brian Gudekins has probably won flipping Best Actor Award at the Oscars for the way he's <laughs> taken on the last year. I, I, I tell you what, I love having our front office at the Browns, but Green Bay is up there in terms of just being able to play it cool and stick to their guns. It's actually been quite masterful. It may well be, but if you were a Green Bay fan... I think you'd probably view it slightly differently. I mean, I mean that's obviously a hypothetical. We we don't know, but I would imagine that you're sitting there thinking, you know, yeah, I understand what you're saying. They drafted Jordan Love, but let's face it, he's never taken a snap. He was very green when they drafted him. Would they be confident handing him the keys now? Who knows? Is the honest answer. I suppose you know we may find out. We may not. Um, in terms of you know your challenge to my reasoning like I say it was a, it was a bit of a left field you know from just the boring quarterbacks that you guys obviously picked you know I thought I'd sort of spice it up a little bit um but I do genuinely think that there is a little bit of a power struggle within the organization that seems to be being played out in public so it is it does in my opinion probably carry some significance you can argue how much um but I do think that you will have a pretty divided view from the fan base I think there will be fans that will sit on the side of the front office as you've pointed to there I think there'll also be fans that sit on the side of the superstar quarterback that's brought nothing but success you know since he's been there obviously you know the debate will be you know should he could he have won more in terms of Super Bowls um you know that's obviously um, something that he'll be judged on ultimately at the end of his career. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of rookies to keep your eyes on. Like I say, we'll be covering at least one from each team within the draft guide, not necessarily the ones to make the biggest impact, um, but certainly a rookie of significance for each and every team. We've touched on the Aaron Rodgers situation there, fellas. And, Steve, you mentioned today about, you know, Deshaun Watson, whether he would or wouldn't get traded. I think that was the quarterback that you were alluding to with news that potentially Houston are open to offers for him. Um, you know, there's lots of talk, and it's very rare that superstar quarterbacks ever hit the open market or are ever available via trade for whatever reason. You know, and you can take whatever off-field opinions aside for this question. Um Again, let's ask you a hypothetical. You can make any trade that you like as a GM for any NFL team. Which quarterback are you drafting for to improve your franchise? So let us know then, Steve, who you are firstly the GM of and which trade you are swinging. Well, I think on the back of that Aaron Rodgers chat there, just to chime in, I, I personally don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think I don't think he suits up in another colour, and I think he finishes career, his career in Green Bay. I don't think he's really particularly doing anything wrong either. He's barely said a word. A lot of this is because we're in the off season, and no one's got anything else to talk about. Um, saying that, um, I don't I don't think he ends up anywhere else, and I don't. I mean, obviously, Watson's the obvious one that you could point to and say, well, obviously he wants out. He's reported to camp today, apparently. Um, Sitting in is the new sitting out because of all the new uh, NFLPA rules and getting fined for not showing up to training camp and all that sort of stuff. So apparently he's going to go to camp, but then refuse to to um, uh, play in the in the in the regular season and is demanding a trade. Um, a lot of people are saying that he's going to he's he's obviously going to have to uh, waive his no trade clause if he does want to get a trade. Um, and obviously, like you said, putting aside all of the the legal stuff because I don't think anything happens until there's some kind of um, answer to all of that. So putting all of that aside, um, I think he ends up going. Now, if you look at the teams that are are most QB needy, I sort of put a list together of the teams that currently have what you would call an answer at quarterback, but certainly not a long-term answer. You know, you point to the likes of Denver, Philadelphia, Detroit, Carolina, Washington. They're the sort of five that I, there's certainly some more that you could potentially throw in there, but I think they're the five that you say, well, they've got an answer for at least for the next season, but beyond that, who knows? You know, um, Philadelphia, without trying to talk about my own team too much, are probably in the best position to get him. They've got potentially three first rounders next year, um, depending on 
how Carson Wentz does. And, you know, is three first-rounders enough to get him? Possibly. Do you send Jalen Hurts the other way and maybe do two first-rounders, Hurts and something else and change? You know, um, perhaps if, if I was Washington, if I'm, uh, you know, the Washington GM, I'm looking at that and thinking the roster that we've got, we need to be throwing the kitchen sink at something to get a quarterback in this building because we can win now. The roster that that Washington team has is a quarterback away from winning. And I think if they are the quarterback, they could certainly be a, an NFC contender, if not a Super Bowl contender. Um, but I would say, of if, if <laughs> without trying to be an Eagles fan, I think Eagles, the Eagles will make a, a, a run at Watson. Um, but I also would say that Russell Wilson, I don't, maybe has he got one year left in Seattle and then see what happens next year? Could someone like, could someone like Carolina tempt him out of Seattle? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Like you said earlier, Josh, there could be teams next year that are going to be on the on the quarterback carousel. So. You know, there's 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 a lot of questions still to be answered, especially once the season gets underway. I love the amount of thought that went into a hypothetical answer there, my friend. You've really gone done your homework there. You could have chosen anybody for any reason, but you've actually put some thought into that and give us some potential options. So, Josh, have you got a real sort of fly on the wall, a, a, a throwaway one, or have you gone quite serious as well with your thoughts? So, so when you gave this to us earlier, I kind of went in two strands. The one was following that sort of trail of thought because obviously Deshaun Watson's news had just pinged saying free firsts is the price. Someone come meet it. First thing I did was laugh at the price, uh, considering everything that's going on, and then think, well, where could he go? And listening to all the ones that Steve's put out, he's left out the one team that I think Deshaun Watson would probably love to go to more than anywhere else, of which would be the New Orleans Saints. Because, my God, contender, fantastic defence. They are a QB away from probably a Super Bowl run. I just wonder if they'd ever be able to meet the price. But then again, though, does a team like the Saints really need their next three first round picks how mad would drew Brees be if they traded for deshaun watson and they won a super bowl <laughs> how <laughs> mad would he be it would be lovely it would be it, it would just be such a uh yeah but also i think that that might help to you know bring some people you know you've got the constant michael thomas controversy maybe he calms down knowing that there is now an answer at qb um you know make you know, Alvin Kamara then won't be the guy who I think that he'll have to be this year, of which is basically everything runs through Alvin. Because I'm sorry, but Winston's not the answer. I, you know, they're touting him as QB one, and they say that he's flinging balls out, but it's easy to do in camp. It's a much different thing to do when you've got a, uh, when you got a D line running at you, especially with some of these NFC defenses. So uh, yeah, so. In terms of a serious answer for you, Watson to the New Orleans Saints is one that I quite like, but will probably not happen. And then in terms of the flight to fancy one, well, I mean, you know, you know, you could take Russell Wilson to anywhere. Aaron Rodgers, like you say, the last dance, I think he retires, like you say, Steve, especially with that last dance comment now. He wants to host Jeopardy and just have a quiet life. And let's face it, who wouldn't? My goodness, he's got everything sorted for himself now. More money than he can shake a stick at. Go for it, whatever. Realistically, you would go for young QB, massive talent in a competitive situation. So you would stick either Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow in any of the ready to go in any of the ready to go teams. Of which, if you think about it. You know, maybe maybe Green Bay next year has to pip in for someone like that. Maybe uh, New Orleans. Maybe I, I couldn't say Carolina. I, I had to stop myself from laughing when you said Carolina. Um, they are if they're not thinking about rebuilding, they need to rebuild. Um, I still mm-hmm. think that that quite a bit is going to have to run through CMC. I just don't see. I, I don't see where the attacking hit is unless they get a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like you say, maybe they do need someone like Russell Wilson to come in and actually elevate the team. But even then, do I trust their O-line? Do I trust it? Because Russell Wilson's whole thing is that he needs a good O-line. I don't think Carolina provides that. So, 
it gets very interesting when you start playing about with it because obviously the hypotheticals you have to dig in a little deeper because yeah i could just say yeah aaron uh, tom brady to the browns and just go and just run with that for a year but I think yeah, listen, you, you, go on, go on, Sorry, just quickly, I was just going to say, I think what's what's made this question really interesting is what Tom Brady did. No one thought Tom Brady would ever finish anywhere other than New England, and then he did, and now he's won a Super Bowl and will continue to play. And that's what makes the Aaron Rodgers question so interesting, is that there is a legitimate chance that maybe he could play somewhere else, and he has seen what Tom Brady's done. He's gone away, he's won a Super Bowl at a place that actually values him. You know, that's probably where his thinking is. So that's what makes this question so interesting, is the fact that it's actually happened. Yes, it wasn't trade but it's actually happened and the guy that did it went on and won a super bowl so yeah. they've all got to be thinking it in the heads all these uh, veterans that might want their last dance yeah. you, keep, you keep mentioning this last dance i'm now wounded that i didn't figure that out before sort of announced <laughs> on the podcast and then looking like a complete idiot i'm obviously still in off-season mode feathers because i'm not putting half as much thought in as you boys to your answer i'm simply going to be the browns gm and i'm trading lamar jackson anywhere to the nfc Get him out of the AFC, get him away from Cleveland, because unless JOK can actually stop him, I'm sick of seeing him run for 200 yards every time he rocks up at First Energy Stadium. So get Lamar out of the AFC, that's uh, that's my call. Let's talk a little bit of fantasy football then. I'm going to bring in James from the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Crew. Let's talk a little bit about some of the fantastic stuff that's going on for the charity world in fantasy football. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football. Plenty of fantasy activity on my Twitter timeline, as I'm sure there is on many of yours. Let's welcome in James from the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Team. James, how are you doing this evening, mate? I am good. Thank you very much. Long time no speak. <laughs> it is indeed, mate. It is indeed. It's been a nice little hiatus, but looking forward to the season getting up and running. And nothing tells me it's football season, mate, than the Twitter timeline being absolutely full of people drafting. But one thing that even I can take some solace from, and I'm not the hugest fancy football player, but I do like when it's for a good cause. Plenty of stuff going on for charity at the minute, mate. Talk us through a little bit of the activity that you're seeing at the moment. Yeah, the um, cost. There is a whole plethora of fancy uh, tournaments nowadays, and a lot of them have gone down the charity route. Um, Scott Fishbowl is probably the most, um, shall we say, famous or predominantly timeline-featured one, which I had the privilege of being part of last season, um, which was you know, fantastic fun. Didn't exactly get far in it, but it's, it attracts a massive audience across the whole fantasy world, which... You know, and every everyone plugs in for charity, and it is always for multiple great causes. And they can be local or they can be national, international, um, which is always you know it's a fantastic thing. We've got the Warrior Bowl, which is one thing that both me and Tim are part of this year. Um, the Five Year Rush have got their own um, fantasy championship going on, and Steve Rains Bowl, of course. Bless, it's been you know. It's they're getting more and more popular, especially you know UK centric ones as well, which is always fantastic to see. They're all great at creating community, um, you know, getting behind each other for charity, and it's you know one of those where even when it goes wrong, you know, you, your star player goes out injured. Yes, you're annoyed, but you ultimately know that whatever happens, you've still benefited a good cause, and it makes it you know it's a money league that you feel you know proud to be in, and you feel like yeah. I can take whatever happens. So I, I think it's a fantastic thing that's happened for the community, to be honest. And say, I've been involved in at least five over the last three years. And it's the one thing I make sort of a note to always join up each season. Yeah, excellent, mate. Like you say, it is a really good, worthwhile cause. Like you say, there's plenty of fantasy games that are out there, but if you can also make a difference to people's lives, then why not have a bit of fun at the same time? You mentioned the Warrior Bowl there. We'll touch on that one specifically, because as you rightly pointed out, you and Tim are both in there. When I say Tim, Tim is obviously representing full 10 yards, so I've got to be a little bit biased here and get behind Team Tim. But I know that you've been studying both the rosters, mate. You as a fantasy guru, if you like, I'm sure you'll be claiming that your team is in slightly better shape. Tim posted that question on Twitter the other day. What was the rating for his team? I think he was a little bit disappointed. No one said he'd drawn an excellent lineup. But picking from the nine position, I don't think he's done too bad a job here. We've got Lamar Jackson with the ninth pick. Um, you know, obviously one of the top scoring fancy quarterbacks that there is. Jonathan Taylor in the second round. Is that your roster? 
Yeah, I think I went. I got Lamar at one hundred nine. He had my, he went for Kelsey at one hundred three. I told you it was a good roster, mate. Let me get Tim's Yay. rubbish roster up. Now your your roster's looking extremely good, mate. Yeah, go on. Let's say what you talk me through yours, mate, because I've I've obviously studied yours there, and yours looks excellent. So go on, talk me through yours. So yeah, I had the one hundred nine spot, which in uh, bear in mind this is the scoring settings are very interesting because it's. Um, three quarters of a point for a reception as a running back, one point per reception as a wide receiver, and one point five points if you're a tight end. So there's a and there's a few other wrinkles to the scoring, but I suppose that's that's simplifying it as much as I feel like I can. But um, say Lamar Jackson was my first pick to get. You know, it's two QB, it's super flex, so get a QB on the board quick. Um, then went around the turn. Jonathan Taylor fell to me at 2.4, which I was delighted to see. Uh, then had a bit of a dilemma at 3.9 as to there was you know a few pretty high-level quarterbacks and running backs available. And um, I believe um, sort of one of the top five wide receivers was there as well. And I went for Antonio Gibson because I've sort of, in recent years, adapted to the idea that you need two early running backs. And that's the way I went. Calvin Ridley then is my wide receiver one, which with Julio out of town feels like a good selection. And as we'll find out later, Tim also felt like it was a good move. Uh, the difference is I paid, I got him in the fourth and Tim had to get him in the third. So um, very much, you got to remember we're in different divisions, different leagues, so very different opponents potentially. So um, Josh Jacobs was then my sort of RB3, get three early RBs out of the way, job done. Uh, and then it was very much a case of finding out the roster. So just to go through it quickly, Debo Samuel, LaVisca Chenault uh, are my next two wide receivers. I've gone heavy on tight ends because that 1.5 points and just because the talent pools at running back and wide receiver dried up really quickly, but they kept bringing out tight ends. So uh, anyone who listened to the fantasy podcast last year will know my uh, affliction for Dallas Goddard. Well, no surprise, 804, he was on my roster. Um, Irv Smith, Logan Thomas, and OJ Howard all joined them. Um, Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz are my other two quarterbacks. So Wentz, Mayfield, Lamar, Jackson as my three-way tandem. Uh, doesn't feel too bad. I was hoping to get Tyra Taylor in the 17th, and I got sniped at 17.08. So that was a bit of a poor, uh, you know, a bit of a sad one. But I think I'm happy going with those three and just you know, hope for no more, hope, hope for no injuries, basically. None of them have the same bye week, although that wasn't exactly something I thought about. Um, and then just to round it off with the bench, Crowder, James White, Traquan Smith with the news that uh, Michael Thomas had got had uh, been out for a little while. Jalen Rager, because, well, Philly still need pass catchers and I still think he's pretty decent, so him and Goddard, that'll do. Uh, and uh, the good ship Blankenship, which I believe Tim also selected at kicker, so... The kicker scoring goes by distance, increases points as well. So it's always a lot of fun. But, yeah, I'm really happy with how my roster's gone. Yes, the wide receivers aren't brilliant, and my running back depth is horrible. But I think in terms of the starting roster on a week-by-week basis, if you sort of ignore any injury risk, it's looking pretty smooth. And I'm just hoping for some tight end points, basically. Um, Tim, on the other end, are you all right if I go straight into Tim's roster? Yeah, you can do, mate. I mean, obviously, like you say, I was looking at, at yours by mistake there, so apologies for that earlier. And obviously, you know, I agree you've done a, a stellar job, certainly at the top of the draft there. Let's just concentrate on the top of Tim's draft because he's gone in a completely different way to you mentioned the little wrinkle in the scoring there. Tim was picking from the three spot and an interesting selection, really, in Travis Kelsey. Always seems a strange thing to do from a fancy perspective because, like you say, people generally sort of load up running back early. Um, if it is super flex, they go quarterback early. But I think because of that scoring system, and if you look at the sort of production that Kelsey had last year, if you'd actually look at it in isolation, it's actually probably a fairly sensible pick, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, so again, looking through the Twitter timelines and seeing a lot of people who you know, were posting who they were picking in the early stages. There's a few, I know there was more than one league where Kelsey was the 101 um, because of, you know, the tight end power. There may only be one tight end spot, but there are only about eight tight ends that, you know, you can feel confident rolling on a week-to-week basis. Um, so, 
very much Kelsey is at the top of that list. And I mean, in my personal opinion, Dallas Goddard is the last person on that I could play every week list. So I went for the last man on the list and Tim's gone for the first one on the list and uh, guaranteed that point score in which with Kelsey, I, I mean, I think it's a legitimate tactic. I mean, Kelsey was long gone before 109. He's not getting beyond pick seven in most of the leagues in the Warrior Bowl. So um, it shows you how much that tight end premium really is worth. And say any league with a tight end premium, taking Kelsey in a top six slot is not a bad pick at all. Um, I think the 0.75 scoring for running back is, it's not necessarily devalued it, but obviously taking that little bit, you know, quarter of a point off for each reception, so it's no longer true PPR, has maybe spooked a few people into it dropping. I don't think it affects it that much, but it does, you know, in a league where you have two starting running backs, two starting quarterbacks, one starting tight end, you, all three options are open to you, which makes it very interesting tactically. Um, I think very much it's just decided by what slot you get in the draft as to which tactic you go because it's who falls to you. Um, I think I think personally that sort of 109, there's, there's a pretty obvious top eight going on. And 109 is where you kind of get a bit of a choice. But each, time, each draft I've seen, somebody in that top eight that you feel is locked in drops which is what happened with me with Lamar Jackson, because he was kind of like, I thought he would be the eighth pick, but uh, he dropped. So, well. Yeah, just in, just, just, in, yeah, just in terms of that, I mean, you're Dallas Goddard. Obviously, I know you're a big fan. He actually, in the draft that Tim's in, fell all the way to the eighth round. Adam Troutman, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and obviously Kelsey, the tight ends taken before him there. I think what we'll do, James, is we'll post the top few picks from both of your rosters. Obviously, once you get to the bottom end, it is really taking flyers on a few, isn't it? So we'll yeah. post up the top six or seven picks from both of your teams. We'll let people decide. Has Tim pulled it out the bag in terms of representing team full 10 yards or review on your own uh, done a more stellar job? We'll stick that up on Twitter for people to have a little vote on. Yeah. Looking forward to the season getting started, mate. We'll get you on throughout the season, talk about starts, sits, waivers, all of that kind of good stuff. Been a pleasure to talk to you tonight, my friend. Stay yeah. safe and we will speak soon, buddy. Cheers, everyone. Toot toot. Yeah, thanks to James there for that good chat on fancy football. Looks like some excellent work going on. We'll get that poll up on Twitter. Who's had the better team, Tim or James? I think I probably gave that away during our little chat there, didn't I, mistakenly? But never mind, we'll get it up. Sorry, Tim, I do apologise in advance. (laughs) Right, fellas, let's finish off our little conversation then. It's been dominating the news. Well, let's be honest, it's dominated the news for the last 18 months. I'm sick of talking about it, really, but it's really dominated the NFL news in the last few days, are the Buffalo Bills going to actually have a locker room to go back into that doesn't have players tearing strips off each other? We are, of course, talking, unfortunately, COVID-19 and, more importantly, the rules and regulations that the league have now put in. Part of the draft guide will explain some of the restrictions on vaccinated versus unvaccinated players, but the league has gone a little bit further this week in terms of introducing fines for unvaccinated players that break protocols. And one that's really got people talking is, of course, the one about forfeiting games if it is due to an outbreak amongst unvaccinated players. It's obviously caused huge commotion within, um, like I say, certain locker rooms. All jokes aside, the Bills, in terms of Cole Beasley in particular, have been incredibly vocal on this throughout um you know we'll try not to get too political probably difficult to not get a little bit political when we're discussing this we'll try our best to not make it too political but steve what's your view on it is it right for the league to be able to police this and manage it as they see fit or is it a little bit draconian let's all start by raising a glass to call easily no they're absolutely right of course they're right why would they not be right um, at the end of the day, you know, people bang on about their freedom to to do whatever they want to do. The NFL has got a freedom to not give you a job. It's 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 pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple, really. We are now coming. I mean, I can only speak from the UK because obviously we, I don't know um, as much of the, uh, the American rules as much as the UK rules. But we are a- approaching a situation where you're not going to be able to get on a flight without a vaccine. You're not going to be able to 
um, go to big concerts and big festivals and such without a vaccine. Um, you're not going to be able to go into a nightclub without a vaccine in the UK from October, I think. Um, and, and if that sort of, you know, that sort of becomes the norm, you know, wait until people like Cole Beasley realise that you have to be vaccinated to go to school and play in certain sports in the US. You know, when you're a kid, you mm. have to have certain vaccinations. You know, so why is it now such a big problem? And what irritates me the most is that why can they not just listen to the scientists? Why can they not just take their I know everything hat off? Just take that off for a second and then just put the let's listen to the scientists hat on. Three billion people around the world have had this jab. Three billion people you know like or around that certainly around that number or there's certainly that many vaccines have been given why is it such a big issue so yeah i think we are certainly not seeing the end of this and i think there'll be a lot more people that will lose jobs over this because the vikings let go of an offensive line coach i think it was yeah. um and a lot of people were up in arms about that and it's like well this is just the start get used to it because then they're making it really difficult for people to being vaccinated as well like you you have to have more tests you have to have more isolation periods you have to train away from certain people all that sort of stuff um so yeah i've got i see no problem with it and and a lot of the teams actually i, I read today that every team is above 60 percent now vaccinated and i think several teams are above 90 percent. so they're getting there and i think it, it will end up being a minority but at the moment it is the vocal minority that's a shame yeah, that's that's always the same, isn't it? And that's you know that's the same in this country. Obviously, not with the high-profile caliber of the, of the sort of NFL players, but we've got the same situation, and we're going to get that right across the world, aren't we? You know, I'm sitting here as somebody that's double jabbed. Um, you know, I've got no problem with it. I, in general terms, I have no problem with people having a freedom of choice. But I also think, to your point, right at the start, at the end of the day, the NFL can sort of set their own agenda around this, and ultimately very clever from the league I suppose they've said well look it's not mandatory but if you want to play in the league and you don't want the vaccination it comes with these conditions attached to it and ultimately it's up to you whether you take them or not isn't it Josh? Yeah and I want to touch on that you've said it's very clever what they've done and it is because the one thing of which got everybody in uproar was the fact that forfeited games um, could come into effect if uh, either team doesn't have a buy, um, you know, and everyone got up up in arms about that. To which, that was the case anyway. Pretty much, that's been the case all the way through. Um, but it's kind of a moot point. We didn't have a forfeited game last year, and we had the vaccine, and we didn't have a vaccine. Now we've actually got a vaccine. Do you honestly think there's going to be a forfeited game next year with around circa seventy-five percent of all players league-wide vaccinated? Uh, no, we've seen the. Was it the Broncos that used a wide receiver rookie as a QB? You know. We, we had the Ravens have their game with the Steelers rescheduled 427 times just so that they could actually get Lamar Jackson on, out onto the field. The NFL is not going to have games forfeit unless it is absolutely critical to the integrity of the schedule. And when I say integrity of the schedule, I mean the integrity of the Super Bowl. That is pretty much the only date of which they are absolutely dead set on keeping. They could they could play on Wednesdays. They could, in fact, I reckon they quite liked being able to put on the additional games plays throughout the week because it got them extra special ratings. And with extra special ratings comes extra special advertising money. Ooh, big shock. So, yeah, it's a moot point of which the NFL is definitely saying, look, get vaccinated, otherwise you could be forfeiting a game check. You know, and then players are like, ooh, shit, I'm going to have to actually get vaccinated. Whereas, actually, it's a bit of a bit of an empty threat because no games getting forfeited. I think the one thing that's draconian about it is the fact that the other team also loses a game check if the game is forfeited. You know, so you are if you're a vaccinated player on the other team and an unvaccinated player is the reason as to why the game is being forfeited on the opposing side, you lose a check. You know, that that is one thing of which I can definitely understand concerns by because it does seem incredibly yeah. unfair. Um, but there is something interesting, though, about all of this. Um, JC Tresser actually put out a press release today um, while I, I was doing this. my research yeah. on this question. And he was fully on board. He was like, Players, Players Association helped draft this, you know. 
the NFL is not stupid. They don't want to lose money. And they actually said, you know, the whole point about the game checks thing is because the owners are going to lose money as well. Do you honestly see the owners wanting to lose any money? The NFL yeah. wanting to lose any money? It's not going to happen. So it's all, it's all empty. It's all very much. It's almost virtue signaling to an extent, but it's actually just more trying to get the Cole Beasleys of the world to actually get vaccinated. Um, and this definitely just sort of like it adds extra spotlight. And co- if Cole Beasley doesn't have a monster season in his uh, <laughs> in his third slot role, then uh, he's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of people on his back. But uh, yeah, overall fair with one bit of minutia that is kind of unfair, but should be moved. It does. It does make you think how how far will people go to protect their so-called beliefs and morals when things start becoming real inconvenience and you know you start money and stuff starts getting affected. You know, do you really, really still believe this when you're not playing or you lose your job or whatever it may be? Because that's what's going to happen. It's like I said, it's going to get to a point where you can't get on a flight or you you know you can't go in a shop or you can't do this, you can't do that without the jab. So it'll it'll make it interesting how many players go. Actually, do you know what? Let's just get the jab. Let's yeah. just get it because it's going to make my life so much easier. Yeah, I mean, how many people have? Uh, I mean, I've had so many people come to me and say, "Well, if I don't get vaccinated, I can't get on a flight." So you know, in order to have a holiday again, I got vaccinated. I didn't want to, but you know, it's the only way to unlock a door. You know, I wanted to go and watch the Euros. I wanted to do this. You know, like you say, it's inconvenience over beliefs. Yeah, and it does. De- it will definitely work for some people. It will definitely work. We'll wait and see how it transpires. Like you say, decent figures coming out by the sounds of it, and like you say, certainly positive that a number of teams up and above that ninety percent threshold. As I said, we've covered that off in a bit of detail in the season guide. We'll take the opportunity to plug it once more. Out from today, the twenty sixth of July, for pre-order will be sent out next week. All things being well on the 2nd of August. Uh, really looking forward to bringing that to you. We've worked incredibly hard on it. We're really proud of it. And trust me, you will not be disappointed if you do indeed make that purchase. And as we keep saying, all of that goes back into our Britpool Fund to help grow the game in the UK. So not only are you getting a fantastic product, you are doing a fantastic thing by helping more people into the game in this country, which is what we are all about. The College Football Podcast will be back with you on Thursday, so check out check that out as and when it drops we will be back on a week-to-week basis moving forward it's good to be back fellas it really is good to be back hopefully next week it's not so warm steve bless him has been perspiring on camera i asked him to turn his fan off to make sure that the audio wasn't too uh, blurry and he's been dabbing his brow all evening long so fingers crossed mate. it's a few degrees cooler next week i made a mistake putting the zach Ertz jersey on damn you zach Ertz. No, 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 I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Please don't ever leave Philadelphia. <laughs> and in tomorrow's Fel- way for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Fellas, it's been an absolute pleasure. It is great to be back. Like I say, we'll be with you every week for, uh, for the next few months. Looking forward to the season getting underway. We'll start previewing some of the divisions in a bit more detail from next week onwards. Until then, like I say, enjoy all the content, full 10 yards, get your guides ordered, and we will see you next time on the NFL podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.